Come let us bow at his feet He has done great things See what our Savior has done See how his love overcomes He has done great things He has done great things Oh, And break every chain, oh God You have done great things We dance your freedom Awaken the light Oh Jesus, our Savior Your name lifted high, oh God You have done great things storm you'll be faithful forevermore you have done great things and I know you will do it again for your promises yes and amen you will do great things oh God you'll do done great things we dance your freedom awaken alive oh Jesus our Savior your name lifted high oh God you have done great things hallelujah God above it all and hallelujah God and hallelujah, you have done great things. And hallelujah, God, above it all. And hallelujah, God, unshakable. And hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. chain oh god you have done great things we dance your freedom awaken alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things you have done great things oh god you'll do great things Cornerstone. Um, it's interesting as we kind of sit here this morning. I don't know about you, but I feel like the last two or three months have been 
Something no person on this planet has ever experienced as an adult. In other words, no one can like say at this moment, I remember what it was like uh, when this happened before because it's never happened before. I think another part of it is, is we're all trying kind of in this predicament to sort through the reports. We're trying to sort through the data. We're trying to sort through the decisions. That less than a year prior, as I've been wrestling through this, it's something that's almost unimaginable what's going on in our world right now. I believe that if we're honest for ourselves for just a moment where we're not worried about, you know, our likes on the Twitterverse or trying to help our tribe on Facebook to to get woke, I think in many ways it kind of feels like an episode of, of the Twilight Zone. I think if that weren't enough, we also recently witnessed some things that, I don't know, I, I don't, I'm not sure even how to process it, the lives of two African-American men, the life of an African-American woman just needlessly extinguished. Breonna Taylor, an EMT, a, a young lady that was an expire, aspiring nurse from, from Louisville. She was shot eight times in her house uh, by police officers and still to this day, we're not sure exactly why that it happened. Another young man, Ahmed Arbery, he was a man that was gunned down after being chased down by two white men trying to, to have a citizen's arrest on him in Georgia. And I think the one that's probably stuck out to us the most is a man named George Floyd from, from Minnesota who had his life snuffed out as he attempted to purchase, from what I understand, cigarettes with a $20 counterfeit bill. In the midst of all of it, as we watch these things, we saw it kind of rightfully ignite protest, peaceful protest, but sadly it also ignited riots, which we, again, have seen maybe city by city, but I don't know if we've ever seen something move across our country that fast. And yet in the midst of all of it, these stomach-turning events we're trying to process as a group of people. I think if I'm honest, and I think if you're honest, most of us knew things weren't gonna stay calm. I think you, you pen up people for, for long enough and they, they sit in their homes and they grow frustrated and then they see events like this and it just kind of is gonna have that tendency to explode. But also, I think if we're honest, for the last 25 or 30 years, at least in my life, it feels like these things have been growing and we're just becoming more angry and more vitriolic. I think we... We have so many great police officers and sheriff's deputies in our church, and, and no doubt they, they prove kind of that canard that all law enforcement aren't bad. I know that. I've got some great men that I love. And in conversations with them, I know as we've sat around and talked, they've talked about themselves becoming jaded as they just day in and day out are bombarded by the reality of a fallen world. And most of them, I remember at different points reminding me that at some point there's going to be an explosion that's going to come. In other words, we've known something is wrong. Yet one area specifically that I think the seedbed for these heart-rending events that we're, we're dealing with right now, that is so much deeper than the last quarter century. It's something that's been around for centuries, and I would even say millennia. You see, these events that we've been witnessing right now at this particular point, they have been appalling But what they, I think, have revealed once again is the wound that we've kind of never truly dealt with that's infecting our country. It's one we've sought to heal or or maybe even as I've thought through this, 
We've kind of endeavored to almost cover it up or even to ignore it. It's existed long before our nation came, but man, it took root inside of our nation through this original kind of enslaving and murdering millions of men and women and children, all for the supposed dream of wealth and comfort. And we know in the back of our heads that in no way could have ever pleased God. It got further inflamed and implanted in us when it got ingrained into our constitution and though we thought like, right, I mean, I seriously, when you read the history books, a new day was going to come after the Civil War. And then we found out, though, that this gaping wound only gets opened up more by Jim Crow laws and other laws that were placed in place all to keep a group of people under impression, oppression. The word that we, that we use to define this evil and that gets thrown around a lot is this word Racism. I think we need to be careful not just to simply in some way kind of use the the dictionary definition of the term. And the reason why I believe this is because we know that that word means all kinds of things to different people. Even a definition is hard to apply to how deeply this evil is just ingrained in our psyche as a nation. Racism and racist acts, if you think about it, are a part of society in which we live and they come in many forms, right? They, they're in the unconscious part of who we are, the institutional part of who we are. Racism is a deceptive bug inside of us. For example, we find it in the general, like I was thinking through this, the Latino kid in our community is given way less empathy and leniency than a white kid. The, the black couple, seemingly less trustworthy and responsible to a non-black dealer, goes in to get a loan, and they're not able to get it, even though they have maybe the same income or the same credit score. The evil, as I said it last week, is just deep within us. And I think even as I personally wrestled through this and I go deeper into the examples, not just for our society, but I ask this question, honestly, deep in my heart, God, what, according to the Bible, according to your word, makes racism so evil? And it comes down to this. We know that every single person on this planet was uniquely created by God. Every person. I don't care if we think that they are trash in our society, if we're thinking the highest in our society, God created them unique. We know that every person descended from the same parents. We know that every person is valuable because of the one whose image they bear. We know that every person is equally welcome in God's family. We know that all people groups will be represented in some way in God's forever family. We know that that God's kiddos are called to love all people regardless of race like Christ would love them. And therefore, anytime we view another human being as less than what God views them specifically due to their race, we are racist And our racist acts, those hard to see, they're right there with us. And I think we need to come to a point where we realize God takes extremely seriously when we demean the humanity of other human beings in our heads, in our our words, in our actions. To do so is not only a heinous act against this, this person, my brother or my sister, but even worse, 
it's a heinous act against God. It's sin. We're demeaning the very ones whose image that we bear. Sin has been present in our country, in our churches, in our families since its inception. And this hard part for me is that means this guy talking to you right now, gosh, I have struggled, I am struggling, and I will struggle with racism probably until Jesus Christ returns. And as I argued, and again, you can go back to it last week, sin in all of its forms, including racism, is in each and every one of us. And so it raises the question, what do we do? Well, there is good news in this because King Jesus doesn't just save us from our morals. He doesn't just save us from hell. King Jesus has, is, and will save us from racism. He is accomplishing this task right now. This is the whole point of Romans 8 that we've been diving into it. It's, it's something that is bigger than racism, but definitely not less than it. King Jesus is doing a powerful work and that's why I believe and I've been saying over and over again, this is our moment. But this morning, I don't want to answer questions. I want us to pray. Don't mistake what I'm saying, however, when somehow that we're going to pray today that I'm trying to avoid hard questions or that there's somehow not difficult things that aren't going to be required of us as a church. I believe God is calling us to this moment and we need to speak into things like racism, but we need to speak into it with humility, with grace, with comfort, with truth. We must be his people in this broken nation, bringing hope where there seems to be so little hope right now. Our father in heaven was not got caught off guard by COVID-19. He wasn't caught off guard by any of the riots. And I believe, therefore, he intends his church to spring into action. But today, before we, we act towards our world, I think we just need to act towards God. I think we just need to pray. I think we need to repent and confess that the church that we have forsaken the mission that God has given us too often. We've, we've insulated ourselves in various ways from the pain and the messiness of this world. And that includes racism and that reality of hap what's happening inside of our nation. We need to mourn the brokenness of the hurting in our nation, especially amongst our African-American brothers and sisters in Christ and our African-American neighbors. We need to be there in the midst of them with their plight that on so many levels seems so impossible. We need to beg God to teach us to be slow to speak and slow to anger. And I would even say this, slow to our silly opinions that we just throw out so rampantly. In the midst of all this hurt, I've seen so many yeah buts, yeah but this and yeah but that. And instead, we just need to be quick to listen and quick to observe. We need to pray for those in authority over us. Gosh, including, man, the, the, those in the police and the sheriff's departments, especially those within our local church that have such an opportunity right now to show the contrast between police officers that have no hope in Jesus and those that do, that are willing to bring justice and goodness and peace into situations at all times. And in the midst of it, we need to pray as it seems like so often those in authority over us have either lost 
that capacity to speak or are not willing to speak because of just all the vitriol and anger. And we need to beg God that in this vacuum, the church steps into it with grace, with humility, and with an opportunity in mind to speak the greatest message ever into our time, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't shy away from this. A lot of us have run, including me, to the suburbs, and many then ran to the small towns in Idaho and Montana and Wyoming. And at some point, we have to quit running and in the grace of Jesus Christ, come alongside of all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter their color, and believe that the gospel doesn't just save us from something. It saves us to and for an amazing reality in the world in which we live. I believe this is an amazing moment. But before we get there, I think we're just supposed to pray. And so today with your kiddos and your homes and your friends, would you just join us and we'd pray and seek the Lord and then trust that he's going to lead us into the action that he wants us to have. Maybe not the action we think we need to do. Let's sing.
Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. purpose of your will. Lord, I just want to take a few minutes here to confess to you both what I know to be true and beautiful and good about you and your plan and what I see and confess to be wrong and evil and in need of being righted in my life and in our hearts, Lord. I confess to you Father, that you have created every human being in your image with an inherent dignity and worth and sanctity of their life. I confess to you that I see the, the beauty of your design for so much human diversity in our colors, in our appearances, in our heights, and the languages that we speak and all the ways that, that, that we, we appear physically. There is such beauty and design in that. I confess to you that I love the image that I see in the book of Revelation of people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation worshiping you and praising your name in their tribes and tongues and languages and nations in a way where you as the author of all speech and thought, you can hear all of it and understand all of it and you love the diversity of it. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. But I confess to you in the same way that as part of this, this sin-sick race of Adam, I see so often that all of that beautiful diversity and complexity that you intend to rebound and echo to your glory for all of forever, we look at it and we perceive it and we see differences and we don't just see differences to be celebrated. We assign value to those things. We assign importance. We, we align our fears and our trusts according to those things. Every single one of us, 
we tend to seek the advantage of ourselves and those who are like us. We tend to trust those who are like us. We tend to fear those who we see as different from us and not trust them. And we see and we confess to you that that in and of itself is evil and wrong. Not only the atrocious evil actions that come from that. Lord, I confess to you that, that's, that often I feel hesitant to speak in moments like this and unsure what to say because I understand that in the way that you have sovereignly knit me together in the time and the place and the ethnicity in which I was born, I understand that the status quo in this society works for someone who looks like me. I understand that there are doors that I got to walk through. They didn't have to open. They were open for me that others for hundreds of years have been banging on to try to have those same opportunities. I confess to you that that is privilege. I confess to you that that is something that may, may or may not be, I mean, the, I even have a hard time putting in words, Lord, other than just to say, I understand that I do not come into this situation as an objective observer. None, none of us are. I ask you, Lord, to give me eyes to see and ears to hear. I was just reading with my kids the other night the, the wisdom from James 1, that every one of us would be slow to speak, slow to become angry, but rather quick to listen. Jesus, I thank you so much that, that I follow you, the one who, with all of the privilege and glory as the one who existed for all of forever in equality with God, you did not hold on to that equality. You made yourself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, as Paul talks about in Philippians 2. You took on our burdens, our troubles. You made our interests significant to you. Jesus, I thank you for what Paul says of you in Ephesians chapter 2, that you in and of yourself, in yourself, in the, your death on the cross, you have killed the hostility that exists between different racial groups. I confess to you that even as we're up here, these seven white men who love you dearly and are seeking to shepherd this body, I confess to you that it has long been a prayer of our hearts that it would not just be seven white men that are leading this church as elders, that we would get to express and reflect that beautiful, not only diversity, but reconciliation where hostility and difference and distrust and all of those things that stand between us are put away because we see you, Jesus, as the one who truly has the ability to hold us together and unite us in yourself. I confess to you that that is a desire I want and that I stumblingly go after. Would you teach me, Lord Jesus? Would you teach us? Would you humble us? For those of us where the status quo works pretty well for us, would you help us to recognize the evil of hanging on to that? Would you help us and teach us how to open our mouths to seek justice for the oppressed? I don't know how to do all that, but teach us, Lord Jesus. I ask this in your name. Lord Jesus, we humbly come before you, recognizing that we are living in a very, very broken world. And there's not only evil around us, there's evil inside of us. And the, the sin inside of us is so insidious. And Lord, uh, Asaph in Psalm 73 recognized that um, tension between 
the evil around him that seemed to get the upper hand and the reality that you are a sovereign God who rules from on high. <clears throat> and I want, to, I want to pray through Psalm 73. And Asaph says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of, prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. And Lord, um, Asaph was just struggling with how it appeared that the, the, those who are sinful and wicked get the upper hand. We know it's not always true, but sometimes it feels that way. He goes on, therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? God, don't you see what's going on? Don't you understand that, that we're in trouble down here? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. And then Asaph just said, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued and I have been punished every morning. Asaph was struggling. What good does it do to follow the one true God? If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God, until, Lord, until we come into your presence and until we, we, we bask in the glow of who you are, we won't understand. <laughs> and even then, we don't always understand. Asaph says, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And Lord Jesus, there are times that we, even in these times, we're just, we, we have no idea what's going on. We know it's a broken world and we see evidence of the brokenness all around us and in us. Yet I am always with you, he says. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Oh, Lord, take us into glory. When all the wrongs will be made right. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Lord Jesus, this earth offers us nothing except walking with you. Lord, will you, would you be our strength, our sustenance, our clarity? Would we fix our eyes on Jesus, the only one who can save, the only one who can resolve these issues of sin and racism and anger and 
Lord Jesus, would you do that? Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful. But then he ends the psalm with these words, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. You, Lord Jesus, are our refuge. You are our strength, you are our rock. You are the only solution to the brokenness that we see around us. And so would we tell of your deeds? Would we tell those around us who the answer is? We wait and we trust and we rest and we thank you. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Father, as we sing this next song, as we sing this next verse about softening our hearts, about our weakness. Father, would you do a work in each of us right now by your spirit? For all of us that know you, it's that same spirit. It's that spirit that unifies us. Father, I just ask for forgiveness for that racism, that racial bias that is inside of me. church today, Father. I need you to soften my heart and bring me apart. I need you I see that you're shaping my life. So
is to have people from every group, from every tribe, from every nation, from every language, joining in that song, that new song, that chorus of praise. God, when that doesn't work, when we see it broken here on earth, we, we cry out because heaven is what we want. When we see the broken, we don't see what you designed. We know it hurts you, it hurts us. God is your church. Help us never to lose the, the fact that heaven is real. Help us always to remember that your design includes us all. Father, that your perfect place which you have built and are continuing to build for us has room for them all, has room for us all. God, in these times when we are somehow motivated by sin to create barriers between us and them or them and us, God, I'm grateful that those barriers were not what you designed. That you designed a heaven without them. And all of creation groans because it's not what we see you want. Father, I pray not that you would necessarily settle our hearts. God, I pray that we would as a church, be even more motivated, even more driven to work toward the picture of heaven that you show us. That we would work to bring every group, every tribe, every nation, every language to you. God, that's the picture. That was the mission you designed when you left with the Great Commission, that's what you asked us to do. Father, help us to just keep our mind on heaven and to know that that's the picture. Thank you, Father, your name, amen. Oh Lord, during a time with con as so much confusion and hatred and arrogance and fear and desolation and destruction, Lord. Help us, Father, to focus on you, Father. Help us to remember who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, and especially, Father, that our names are written in the book of life. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us, Father, to remember that you are our refuge and strength, and you are very present in a time of trouble with us, Lord. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the, the most high. God, in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. 
God, you will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, but you utter your voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to end on the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. But Lord, you tell us, be still and know that you are God. You will be exalted among the nations. Father, you will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, during this time, Lord, help us never to forget that, that, Father, you are in control of all things, Lord. Things don't happen without you knowing about it, Father. And at times when it's your will to allow things to happen, Father, help us to be at peace with that, Father, but help us to never forget that you call us to be a light to the world. And so during this time, Father, may we love our neighbors, may we love our city, Father, may we love those that are hurting right now, Father. We pray so much that we can be a church that is a beacon in our city, Father, and a beacon in our county, Father. Help us to focus on you. Help us to never forget, Father, who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for our body, the people that are here at Cornerstone, Father. We know that as you call them into action, Father, they do act, and we are grateful for that. So, Father, we call them all and all of us to be um, have a repentive heart of our sins, Lord, but just reach out to you, Father, and please have us be on our knees this, this week, Father, praying for those that are hurting. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Sacred 
and every tongue will confess. Why? There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. God, in a unique time of so many unknowns, we look to you, Lord. We are, we're not capable of understanding and knowing what to do at times. God, we, we have to look to you. We do know that we could always look to you. I praise you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, God, for your, your perfect nature as the one true God. That we can actually have a personal relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray during this time of uncertainty, this time of struggle in our communities, this time of so many unknowns, God, that we can know you more as we look to you in these times. God, we know you're infinite. The word says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Great is our Lord and abundant in his power. His understanding is beyond measure. God, we don't know what is what is gonna come next at this point? Um, we never know, God. You always do know. We know that we can look to you, that you will hold everything together. God, your perfect sovereignty and your perfect grace. I pray, God, that we can see your work, join you, God, that we wouldn't be distracted from the mission that's been shared. And God, that we can look to you for strength and courage in times of struggle that we've never seen before. God, thank you for being unchanging, God. It says in your word, if I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God, your unchanging nature allows us to depend on you, to always rely on you, to always know you were there. God, this dependence on you is the heart of, of who we are as believers, God. God, that you gave us this opportunity to know you and have a relationship to be able to look to you always, God. You gave us th that through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we know you're an all-powerful God. The word says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. In Psalm 33. God, in our absolute weakness, and times in our weakness just becomes so much more visible, I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that, that in that we can see your strength. We can see your power. We can see your all-powerful nature. We know that you're an all-knowing God. The word says, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. 
I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Your word says in Isaiah 46. You know what comes next, God. You know how to navigate this. God, I pray that we would constantly look to you in prayer and lift these circumstances up to you that are in some way touching all of our lives, God, many much more than others, God. Help us to look to you and your all-knowing nature, God. God, we know that you're everywhere. You're omnipresent. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay a hold of me. Psalm 139, God, praise you for your truth. We know you're always present, God. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we're so undeserving, God. We have this sinful nature that we are constantly praying, God, you give us the strength to turn from and turn more towards you with every decision, with every breath, God, because you are perfectly wise. Oh, the depth of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways, as it says in Romans 11. Teach us and guide us, Lord. You are perfectly wise. We look to you in complete humility. Show us how to navigate these circumstances, Lord. God, you are faithful and true. Know that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. In Deuteronomy 7. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself, 2 Timothy 2. You are a faithful God. God, help us in our faith. Help us not be distracted in our relationship with you. Help us not be distracted in sharing this wonderful gift that you've given us, God. That that is our mission, God, to bring you glory, to help you be more known, to know you more, God. Because you are infinitely good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good in Psalm 34. Yes. We know you are perfectly good. We know that, God. Thank you for allowing us to be in this relationship with you, depend on you, to always look to you, your unchanging nature, and your all-powerful God. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you in times of struggle. We thank you in times of joy. We praise you, God because we know that you look for all things that are good for us, God. We know that. We believe in who you are. God, we thank you for the gift you gave us through your son. That's something that just was, could never be expected, Lord. Something that nobody was capable of. Something that only you are capable of, Lord, as the creator of the entire universe. I pray that we look to you. I pray that we can lead others to look to you, Lord. Father, with the, a heaviness of heart, a broken and contrite spirit before you, we as elders confess, Lord, our, our need of you, 
our desperate need of your grace. Yes, we're privileged men up here because we've been, our eyes have been opened to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The very one who didn't cast people away. The very one who saw beyond color. Who saw beyond sin. Who saw into the very need and the very desperate cry of the heart of the person who was lost and in need of life. The life everlasting. The life full in this life. And you were quick, Jesus, to offer your hand of healing, to offer your hand of salvation, to offer a word of comfort, even a word of chastisement to those who were religious in every way. And God, forgive me for being religious for saying stuff that doesn't match my heart. Or these last couple of days, you've drilled down deep into my heart. There's a generation of racism in my family. <laughs> and the gospel is breaking it. breaking it through the power of truth and the power of the reality that every person is created in your image for your glory. Yes, Lord. Today as we pray, my mind is just flooded with stories of my life of times where my sin, I was racist toward others and yet the gospel came and introduced this poor sinner boy to salvation it began to change my heart it began to change the lineage of our family to where today our family we embrace five African American kids we're able to look into their eyes with heavy hearts and lack of understanding of how to explain what has been going on, but to look in their eyes and say, Jesus has made you in his image. He loves you. And what a gift they are to us. What a present reminder they are to the beauty and the power. And so today, I pray for any of you who have been raised in a family where generational strongholds, whether it be racism, whether it be hate, anger, whether it be political, social. Or I pray, God, today that they would come to you. They would surrender their heart and life to you. They would acknowledge that they can't win this battle apart from your spirit and apart from the truth of the word of God, renewing our mind today. 
pray that they would come to you, hearts of repentance and brokenness. God, you, like you faithfully do, you respond to their to our prayers of repentance with forgiveness. with freedom and with truth. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift that you've given us, Sheila and I and Elise and James, Bella Grace and Elijah. May we love you all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength and mind. May we continue to grow in the gospel that has the power to make this sin-filled world place of hope. That as we point them to you, Jesus, we can point them to heaven as well, to life everlasting a new creation, one that is blind in color, one that is open to joy and unity and oneness around their creator and their lover. And I just thought about Hebrews 11. In the hall of faith. And as you read through those names and you read through the life stories and the brokenness of the people that God used, it's amazing to see he used the privileged, the non-privileged. He used the he used the whores, the adulterers. He, and he says this towards the end, the writer of Hebrews. He says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell of Gideon and Barak and Sam, Samson, Japheth and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in the battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced years in flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And here it is. And the world was not worthy of they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned for them something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Amen.
Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good. You're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, let the king of my heart be the Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my
praying with us. Idiot, you made me cry. Golly whiz. I was doing good till Terry cried. Let me just finish this way. The writer of Hebrews goes on. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Oh my gosh. The lineage that we sit in of people that have been transformed by our powerful God is huge. It's a lineage that goes back thousands and thousands of years. It's a lineage that for 2,000 years since the Holy Spirit has been given to the church has radically transformed the world. (laughs) Empires have fallen not because the church has gotten angry and fought with guns, but because we did so well, we just relied upon our God and we just lived the gospel. That's our lineage. We don't have to fight bad fights. Paul fought the good fight. He fought the fight of the gospel in humility and grace and truth. And I know for some of us, and it's kind of my tendency to just move on real quickly. He also says this, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Don't miss this time to deal with stuff in your life. To deal with stuff as a church. To deal with stuff in our nation, to be honest about it. I've had to be honest about my own life. Golly whiz, that's hard. It's hard to realize that on so many levels, me as a white dude that grew up in backwoods of Wyoming. Man, I've got things that stick to me, that cling to me. I've got sin. I've got stuff that needs to be dealt with. I've sat in a privileged position that our world saw, but like Terry prayed, oh, to enter into the privileged position of being called sons and daughters of the king. Don't be afraid to deal with this stuff. Don't come up with yabbits. Yabbit this and yabbit. Don't, don't, don't go there. Because as we deal with our stuff, the beauty it says after that is run. Run the race. Run it. We have been freed by King Jesus through his work on the cross and that empty tomb and even in his exalted position as he intercedes for us and the power of the Holy Spirit that's now been poured out upon us. And we as a people don't have to stay in our sin and our ook and our gunk. We have been saved and rescued and we will be saved and we are being saved. We are in a privileged position as kids of the king. And he goes on and says this, look, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. I love how John prayed. Looking to Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Gosh, my heart just breaks looking around right now. been pulled back the veil we've seen the reality of the world that we live in in this small way and that's still only a glimpse our world is broken but our God is immensely bigger never forget who you are 
Today, if by faith you know Jesus Christ, you've come to him, you've surrendered, you've trusted him, you've sworn your allegiance to him, you are sons and daughters of the king. And we have been saved from hell. We've been saved from our sin. But never forget this, this broken world, we've been saved to and for it to be the testimony and the example of the gospel to this world so that people might know and understand who our king is, that we might be ambassadors, that we might be slaves, that we might be the ones that proclaim to the world the excellencies of King Jesus. And so church, in the name of the Father, who created all human beings in his image, male, female, doesn't matter our color, our race, our background, and when Jesus Christ came, he didn't just come to save one single race. He came to save from every tribe and language and nation. There is no group of people that is unreachable by the greatest message ever of the gospel. And his spirit now indwells a church that is growing daily as it stretches and spans across this entire globe, including all kinds of people from all different backgrounds, tall and short, different colored skin, male and female, rich and poor. Every group of people is being included into this. And one day, by the grace of God, Jesus Christ is coming back to take us all home and present us to the Father as this incredible incredible group of people and he has left his Holy Spirit and he is with us to the end of the age he'll never quit on us he'll always be with us and so as you sit broken that's okay as you sit mourning it's okay as you sit overwhelmed with your own wretchedness and sinfulness as you're being exposed, as you watch TV and see the brokenness of the world, that's okay. But make sure in the midst of that, don't miss our king. He is exalted. He is enthroned. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. I think the right response it's time to make disciples. I love you all. The elders I know, I speak on behalf of all of them. They love you all. God bless you. Goodbye.